This episode of the AT Tips Cast is sponsored by TextHelp Systems. TextHelp has moved Read and Write Gold support features to the cloud with a new suite of web apps. The web apps work within browsers on iPad, iPod Touch, iPhone, and other mobile devices as well as PCs and Macs. The apps include Read and Write Web, which provides read aloud with dual color highlighting along with dictionary, picture dictionary, translator, and study skills for HTML web content. Ebook Reader, which allows users to search for, download, save, and read aloud Bookshare ebooks. Speech, which reads aloud typed or pasted text. And Dictionary, which provides text and image definitions for typed or pasted words. Call TextHelp at 1 888 248 0652. Again, that's 1 888 248 0652. Or go to texthelp.com for more information. Hi, Hori. I'm Adam Bella, and I am, can be found online at www.edutecher.net. That's E-D-U-T-E-C-H-E-R.net. And I'm here, and I am a listener of the AT Tips Cast, so thanks for listening. Welcome to the AT Tips Cast, exploring and investigating the implementation of assistive technology in public schools. I'm your host, Chris Bouguet. This is episode number 86, recorded on December 17th, 2011. I know, I know, some of you might have been expecting this episode to be part two of the two-part look at free online gesture-based activities, but something came up in between that's been burning a hole in my iPhone ever since it was recorded. In early December, I was lucky enough to attend the 2011 Virginia Society for Technology and Education Conference, known as VISTI, down in Roanoke, Virginia. At the conference, I was fortunate enough to be the moderator, presenter, and otherwise involved in a number of sessions. One of these sessions was a strategy smackdown, similar to the AT Smackdown sessions that have been played here as episodes of the AT Tips cast. The session found people coming in and out with a core number of people staying and participating the entire time. We had participants from different parts of Virginia and Adam Bellow, who you heard do the bumper at the beginning of this episode. Adam was the keynote speaker for the closing session of the conference. The audio quality of this episode, in parts, is a bit hit or miss, as some of the discussion took place between people conversing in the audience. There were some valuable conversations happening, so I left them in and just cranked up the gain. However, that also results in the amplification of some of the background noise, including the whir of the projector fan. All in all, the quality isn't horrible, but there might be some spots where it isn't superb. Please accept my apologies. I think it's good enough that you'll be able to get the idea, though. Also, if you head to the blog site, attipscast.com, I'll have every presenter listed along with the resources they've shared, just like in the previous SmackDown episodes. And so now, here's AT Tips 233 through 246 from the Strategy SmackDown at Visti 2011. All right. Just to get it kicked off, I'm going to do the first one so you can see how easy and painless this is to share a resource. Okay? So the one that I'm going to share, as you know, by the way, you see that the internet is kind of crawling here at the conference, so uh, that could throw a little hiccup into our, you know, our plans. Um, I'm going to talk about this one. I was planning on showing it, but instead of showing it, I'm going to just talk about it. And that is a comic generator. You probably have seen comic generators before, heard of them. You know, Bitstrips is one, Toondoo is another one. These are comic generators. The problem, not problem, but the difference between uh, Bitstrips and Toondoo versus this one, the Marvel superhero one, is that 
Bitstrips and, and Toondoo have these um, generic characters where these are characters people know. And so when you're looking at different students and what might uh, jazz a different student, you could have them make a comic using Thor and the Hulk because they know who those characters are, they might know who those characters are, they know those characteristics, and that puts a different spin on creating a brand new character. So you might have you know, just different purposes for this comic generator. And so here it is, marvelheroesquad.marvel.com, or superheroesquad.marvel.com slash CYOC, create your own comic. That's what the CYOC stands for. Cool. Any, any uses you're using uh, comic generators? A little bit? No? So this might be something you could check out. All right, who's next? Who's got an idea? Because it's going to be a really boring presentation if you don't participate. Because it's built oh, Excellent. Excellent. So, um, well, PC, I haven't used one of these in a while. Um, all right, so let's see. What do I want to share? Can I just go to a web browser and yep. give it a shot? Firefox is right Awesome. There. All right, so... Uh, Which one? Which well, I'm trying to think. of What do you guys teach? Because then I could... Elementary? Okay, so you teach teachers technology. So anything with technology might be good for you. And you guys are elementary or you're all... I'm high school. You're high school. Okay. All right, well, let's just do one that, that's generic. Um, this one's called Tag Galaxy. Have you guys heard of Tag Galaxy? I have. Taggalaxy.de. Um, Tag Galaxy is a really interesting way to start finding pictures through Flickr. So, yeah, and it works really cool if you do have a smart board, interactive whiteboard at all. It's pretty... Pretty cool integration. So it works by tagging. So I'm going to find a, a let's let's look for Virginia, and it's coming up with all these different tags. So I'm going to try to find pictures of Virginia at night, uh, or I could use one of these these tags over here. So I'm going to click on let's say Virginia. I want pictures of Arlington. So I click on that, and it's now adding these two tags together. So it's going to show you on the history side on the lower left history. I've searched for Virginia. Now I have Arlington. Now I can find something else. So I want to find pictures that have to do with Arlington and trees. And it's limiting the number from thousands of pictures to 134 now. And when I click on this little planet, it's going to populate the planet with those pictures. And I could spin it around and kind of look at all the pictures all at the same time. Um, so it's just a really interesting tool to, to show kids how to uh, find information. If I, if I found one with the more... Actually, there are 1,251 pictures. So I think it's the uh, poor internet, unfortunately. But... Uh, you know, if I click over here and I get a picture of a tree, and you can see it's all based on people's tags. And clicking on it again will bring up the picture larger, trust me on this, and give you the, you know, a, a proper accreditation to look at it onto Flickr, where you can grab the uh, appropriate, you know, citations. Does so. it only search Flickr? Does it, do, like, it only searches Flickr. But it's just a really cool way to start teaching kids how to, like, tag. I, I work on... I work on this type of thing with tagging. So how do you find something you're narrowing it down? So like you can even do introduction of search using this type of a tool. So that's, that's mine for the morning. Excellent, excellent. Hopefully it will come up. There are a few sites out there that do the same sort of thing. Um, I have one teacher in my building that actually uses this one to do online tutoring. It's called twiddla.com. And basically, it's an interactive whiteboard that you can write on and your students can write on, and it's free. Uh, so I'll just click Start a New Meeting. And after it loads, it's basically just an interactive whiteboard that's online, and you can email out or invite other people via a web address to come into the same room 
And it's kind of like having a chat room with a whiteboard where you can draw, the students can draw, whoever else is online with you, and you can make it into whatever you want to be. The uh, teacher I work with, he, tu he tutors kids in math with this, and they'll write math problems on here. The kid will solve it. He'll critique it right there online. Um, and That's it's kind of loading. No, um, no registration. You didn't have to log in with your credentials or anything. Right. You can do one for free. Just hit go in and hit go. Um, if you actually have a whiteboard, I mean, you can be up there um, using the tools and writing on it, you know, just like a regular board. But if not, you'd be sitting at home, you know, whether it's a snow day and, you know, you're missing out, invite all your kids onto this, and you can do your lessons, you know, right in here. And it's been at 88% for a while. <laughs> Um, something similar to this, I've seen people use where they do like uh, spelling here. So you practice your spelling words, or you type your spelling words here, and then you have that hyperlink, and that's what goes home. So when your students have mm -hmm. access at home, you take that hyperlink, and now you have that what they worked on in spelling that they can have at home, which is a, kind of a digital way of doing what you do on the paper, but cool. Right, but that's a good way to bridge the gap too, to take it home and you know, don't have to add extra pounds. To the backpack and so here are the people coming in I could change my name if I wanted to and then I can invite other people to come into the room with me here's the URL if anybody out there has a laptop twiddle.com 691619 and then as you enter the room you'll also be over here and we can draw and work together there's also an audio feature so we could communicate online so this is I think we have time for uh, people to share multiple stuff, so. <laughs> Are you all familiar with Alaska? I've heard of you, but. Um, I'm using these with um, special ed teachers. They're, they're my target group at my high school. And the live scribe can, like right now I'm recording this session. It will do audio and then uh, you can also write on digitized paper. And one of the things that they my chart just came out with are these little sound stickers. And you can um, do recordings on the sound stickers and then apply them to any paper with playback. So I have one student, I went in and observed him um, Friday. He's 20 years old. He's, he's in high school. He's an ESL student. And he works with a reading specialist. So she had his reading assignment, which was like four different short stories he was supposed to read and I mean, he really struggles but his goal is to learn how to read he wants to become a computer technician so he has a very strong desire to stay in school and learn to um, become more proficient as a reader and a just learn the English language so she started using live with him on Friday and I wanted to go in and see how that went and it was amazing to see the difference in the first time he listened and he's supposed to read along with what she had recorded and the first time he was struggling a whole lot. The second time it all was smoother and by the third time he was becoming fairly accomplished at reading all of those pages. So we're starting to play with these live scrap pens in our school system. I have 12 of them in the building right now with different special ed teachers and they're using mostly with the ESL population. Very cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Now what's in your hand there because that's, That's my Android tablet. Gotcha, but it's, you're not using it in conjunction with. No, no it's because no. it's with the paper. Yes. The live scribe pen works with the paper, the notebook. Right, but the you stickers. can also um, 
record what you're writing on the on digitized paper that comes with the last draft pens, and then you can take the, the digitized what is written with what is spoken, and then you can create pen tasks, which are little videos, and then you can embed them in web pages and things of that sort. So Very cool. It has a lot of potential. Please. Very cool. You have pen on paper, too. Yes. We have all these. Yes. Yes, sure. I don't like that as much, though. It's much darker than it is. their and, and the teachers don't like that. But since they come out with a sound signal, then this, this is what they're really going for. So I have to applause for us. Uh, I'll, I'll share the next one though because it gives you a chance to think. Um, you know who Elmo is? Oh, yeah. You know, who is he? Who is he? Yeah. My grandson's favorite character. Your grandson's favorite character, right? So um, Elmo is, uh, has a podcast where it's just audio. It's him and his dad, and they're talking about spending, saving, sharing. And there's about, I think, about 10 episodes right now. And they, I'm not even sure how often they put them out. I just have, I have subscribed to it in iTunes, and I get the, you know, for, for my own kids to listen to. But it's a very focused podcast, short, you know, five minutes in length, all about how to save money, how to spend money. Uh, he's got one episode where he's got three different jars, and one is the spending jar, and one is the saving jar. The idea is it's a great introductory way to get students into, you know, one, money, uh, practicing money, listening to those, and then listening to those, uh, those episodes uh, and, and listening to what a podcast is, you know, with one of their favorite characters that they are already familiar with. So, so that's mine. It's the Elmo Spending, Saving, Sharing podcast. You can just do a search for it on iTunes and you'll find it. All right, who's next? Excellent. Come on up. And just for the record, your names. So you're Adam. Adam and well, Adam. Uh, Adam Bello. Adam And so, so when I when I write this up later, I can put those. You know, oh sure. Correct. And so this is Andy Rothenberger. Andy Rothenberger. Liz Thomas. Liz Thomas. Okay. And you I'm are? Re I'm Rebecca Evan. My uh, colleague and friend went to grab a VGA oh, okay. cable if we wanted to project. I don't. I don't. I have we one. don't need to. But, oh, you had one. We didn't want to interrupt. Yeah. She went to grab one. Um, I was going to share the giant timer that I'm using, but I thought that might be you know, cheesy and kind of cheating. <laughs> it's not that creative. But I already got a prize for that, so I didn't want to. I told them where you went, so yeah. But anyhow, I guess since we had it, we'll, we'll use it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then my second thought was. Um, well, maybe I'll share. Um, oh gosh, maybe I shouldn't volunteer so quick. I have this. Here we go. It's open. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm not prepared for this. Um, and then I'm gonna take this one and put yeah. it in. Thank you. And then I thought maybe I'd share the Edmodo app, but I think there's Edmodo sessions, and you're probably all familiar with Edmodo. No, already. share it. Okay. Because do don't ever assume. That's what I've learned. Okay. Yesterday I was in a session and on screen capture and. Um, I said, well, everyone knows how to capture the screen of the iPad, right? And people were like, no, what do you mean? You can, and I said, sure, and you showed them how to hit the two buttons. I didn't know until my 10-year-old daughter shared it with me. <laughs> it's been quite a useful tip, but, um, okay, so that's fine. I guess I will do that one. Share that one. Here it is. Um, and you know what, though? I think I need wireless, and I don't know that I have a good connection, but it's, um, a social networking type site that looks very similar to Facebook, but it's for education. So I've been using it in a fifth grade classroom um, with a teacher, and we have tried the 
flipped classroom concept with her, so we've posted videos and... Um, Wait, what's the flipped classroom concept? That's where you... Um, it's, it's where this, you're sort of, instead of assigning for homework what you normally would assign for homework and doing the quote-unquote lecture during the class, um, class block, per se, you would flip that concept and have the students working on, um, for homework, maybe viewing a video or even a PowerPoint or, you know, whatever of your lecture and having them do what you normally assign for homework in the classroom. But then you kind of, that's the basic concept, but it works a little bit better if you take it a step further and, you know, really meaningfully think about what you're assigning them to view and make sure it is something that they can just kind of absorb and process and then the classroom assignment that they used to do for homework, um, if you have them in there for, you know, that time, and it allows you to have more time really for projects, so it makes more sense than, hey, you know, page 30, um, 1 through 15 odds, you know, from your math book, um, have them do some in-class projects um, and implement a little bit of project-based learning, whereas you might not have had the time to do that because you had to get through your lecture. So that's the concept. So we've been trying that um, with language arts, and we've been trying to incorporate some internet safety while we, um, we did that as well. So, and netiquette and all of that. So I wanted to share, uh, but I think a lot of you have already seen it, but I just wanted to share that there's, because I can't get it to come up, but there is um, obviously an iPad app and an iPhone, and I think Android has an app too, which is nice. So as the students are posting responses to maybe one question that you posed after they watched the video of the lecture, they can, um, you know, you can check that kind of on the go, which is nice. This is Edmodo. Yeah. Edmodo, yeah. I can pull it up on here if they ha if there's some that haven't seen it because it won't. Because it's a wireless. It started with being a web-based, a web 2.0 tool sort of thing before it was an app. Right, yeah. right. It's like a, I'm used okay. new to using it, so we, you know, I've just used it this school year with this teacher. I'm in the ITRT in Hanover, and um, so she was kind of my first. You know, test run with it. When I first saw Edmodo, I thought of it like a closed Twitter, where, um, yeah. right, yeah. where it's, 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 it's kind of between Twitter and Facebook, and high school kids love it. It's the same. You use the Edmodo for education. It's a very safe, secure environment. But now, does that that cost? Edmodo for education is great. Yep. Schoology is another one. Schoology actually was even more like, like more like Facebook, I think, only because like the Edmodo they they made it look nicer, yes. but it looking nicer, it looked more like it's not what it intended to copy, and I think Schoology just has a more like exact carbon copy type of feel of Facebook. It's the same. It's really pretty much the same. That's good. They relate to the party. Edmodo, everyone knows Edmodo. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I hadn't heard of that. But these are actually some um, little synopses of book blogs that they've um, posted um, in between me coming in. And this that was something actually the teacher did with them completely on their own. But farther down is where we started. It's at half three schools, so it's a little while before I can get back into her same classroom. But we started out with this brain pop video on digital etiquette, had them respond to those posts, and then we had a, you know, a... Um, 
Let's see. Well, some of it is, I guess it's hidden because we had um, them watch a PowerPoint on making predictions because we thought that was really a concept that they don't need to sit through a lecture on. Fifth graders know what a prediction is and they can be reminded in about 30 seconds. So they watched that PowerPoint and then they came in and created portraits on what they thought the prediction was. And we just grouped them based on their responses because we had some yeses, noes, and maybes as the answer to our question of what's going to happen in the next chapter. Is the main character going to drink from the well? Is Tuck Everlasting or not? And why? And so we grouped them based on their answers and they either digitally or watercolor on paper painted a portrait of what was going to happen next. And I'm probably gone way over two minutes I'm abusing the power of being the timer but it was right I mean it was just it's been a neat um, a neat concept they've enjoyed it and I don't know on the other side how much that you were mentioning they could have a picture and quotes yeah, about themselves the same profile okay because they really got into that big time creating their profile <laughs> yes and then they had some sort of meaning to it right right it did it was they were really excited all right, so what's your name? Um, I'm Bambi Finer. I am an ITRT in Hannah Rawson. And I serve um, at two elementary schools, one K2 and one K5. And my K2 school has recently purchased um, a set of 10 iPads that they're going to be implementing. And we just introduced it to our, um, our staff this past week at our um, staff meeting. And it was really cool because our um, my assistant principal and principal created a um, Tuntastic um, to introduce the iPads, and the, I wish I had the story to share because they did an excellent job, and it was hilarious. They um, their story was about um, they were the queen and the princess, and the iPads were here, but they were going to face some resistance. So they talked about the resistance they may face, but they had the wizard. I I somehow ended up being the wizard and the reading specialist because we have, were the ones that were, you know, familiar with the iPads, we were going to be their support. So um, it was really a cute story, so I'm sorry I don't have that to share. But anyhow, Toontastic is um, also like a kind of like a comic creator as well. Um, it was free for a short amount of time on, uh, in the iTunes, in the App Store, but I'm not sure now. But I did get it for that free. So um, you create a cartoon, and you can click New Cartoon, and it kind of, it's neat because it gives the kids um, this setup, and it also has some audio with it. And um, we talked about maybe this in a K2 school, maybe be maybe too many sets for kids reading, just starting out with their writing. But you can delete some of these um, sets, so you could delete maybe a challenge and find that out of that, and they could just have like the beginning, middle, and end to their story. So if you wanted to delete a part of it, you would click the trash can, but um, you would. You click the paintbrush the and, and it guides it through them. Sorry, my daughter played with this, so she, uh, my four-year-old. Um, so you can draw your own scene or you can pick from some of the options that they have here. So if you pick that, it would set that as your setting. And then you get to pick your characters. Or you can draw your own. So I can pick Great. Now you can add more characters or move on by tapping the forward arrow. Now it's time to animate your scene. And then you can animate Touch the start scene. animation button when you're ready, and you can move your characters on screen. Remember to speak up 
so the microphone can record your story. So you can um, move your characters around and record your voice at the same time. So um, when I click start animation, I'll move. Tell your story. Three, two, one, action. Ahoy! Out of my way. I found something yummy to eat on your ship. Ahoy! So it, Out of my way. I found something yummy to eat on your ship. So they could create that, and, um, and they could go through each scene doing that. And what our assistant principal did is she created a form and gave, actually gave it to teachers to kind of encourage them to really start using the iPad right away. Um, she created a form that looked exactly like that first um, section, like a storyboard almost. So they could um, use it with their kids and um, start using the iPads. So it was really kind of cool to have that support from your administrator. And this is the they used a really cool app too. Where you can give your scene oh, a little more music. emotional energy. Try moving your scene up and down and pick out an emotion that fits the mood. So you can pick music to them back then. So like I said, I mean, my, my background is um, an assistive technology. So I'm thinking of yeah. the students in the autism classroom and learning those emotions would be, this would be yes. fitting something like that as well. Yes. So you can change all. All to all different types of music, and then you do that for each scene. You can you go back through the same process, choose the background, the characters, and you do the animation. So, and then the end, it produces the music, uh, a movie for you, and you can share it on. They have a tune tube. You could share it on. So that is like online. So I think it prompts you for the kids. Make sure you have permission, you know, from a parent or an adult. Wordle is a website where you can, uh, uh, are you all familiar with it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I figure most people are there. Are you? Yes. So no, everybody is. So that's why I, when I said, I think everybody probably is familiar with it. But, you know, you can uh, put words in there and then it'll group and make a nice little display and arrange them pretty and you can change the background colors and all that sort of thing. I don't know if it's going to hit that or not. Maybe since we're a small group, I can just show you from that's a great idea. here. I don't know why it's not a thing. Students made that, yeah. And how did they pick the words? They just, like, did the teacher guide them by saying, you know, come up with your main character, your settings, things like that? Or? Well, I know at the high, now, I, because this was from, an, um, these were my students at my high school that did this. I just, my wiki that I develop is just a resource for my high school teachers to give them ideas the things that they can create with students and then it links out to other websites. So my alphabetical in index, it's got all these websites that they can link out to, but I give explanations to them in different pages and then I did it by content areas. So libraries, they have their own page that they go to and they see things like this that they could use and then they can link out to the website where they can actually um, use another wiki or blog or in some instances, it's a moral website that they can go to and they can create this. But this is what the student looks like. This is the end. And what did you put together? Did you explain that? I'm sorry. But what did they create? Yeah, just the word. They just did that in like Word. Just Word or something? Yeah. I, I don't know if there was like a tool that yeah. was able to. Yeah, but I'm sure that there's probably something out there now that would do that. I thought this was a really good idea. So the librarians is going to have a contest this year and have kids, high school kids do uh, book talks and then 
um, she'll have prizes and then she had a book talk about the women who scavenged her for pure codes. Some stuff, but she really liked this because she thought the students would like it. So that's my other one. Since you mentioned the QR codes, yeah. how what uh, what tool do you use to make QR codes? So there's a couple different ones out there. I'm just curious. Well, I just go. There's several websites that you can go to to make your codes, and that's you just do a Google search and pick one, and you're off and started. And then once you've done that, I'm meeting with uh, an English teacher and a social studies teacher. This Wednesday, and we're gonna, and you might be able to hear ideas about how to hook the school into using the QR codes. But I started with those two content areas in the library, and she and I are gonna meet to um, develop a scavenger hunt in the library using the QR codes. But we're gonna think, try to think of something um, that we can put up in the hallways with QR codes. But we have to, you have to worry about disparity because my social studies teacher. Uh, used responders to find out how many students in his classes had smartphones, and it's about 50%. So we're going, okay, we have a disparity there because only half the kids have them and half don't. So how can we be fair? And so we're going to set the kids up in groups with one who has a smartphone with one who doesn't, and then let them go around and yeah, scan the QR code so that everybody's in the loop and nobody feels left out that way. So I think it's going to be fun to start using the QR codes. Related to um, Wordle, and I haven't actually tried this one out yet because uh, it was just brought to my attention this week. Um, but I do like to use Wordle, and similar to that, someone introduced me to a site called, and hopefully I can spell it right, Tagzito. Oh, yeah, I like that one too. And what's different about, I mean, Wordle makes a word cloud. This one will put it into a shape. So let me just go to their gallery. Yeah, Tagzito. Like I said, I haven't played around with it enough yet, but I've found it just this week, and I thought, oh, as an alternative to Wordle, this one is pretty cool in the fact that you can put it into any shape you want and then do the reverse of it also. Like this one has the shape of the snake for Python, and this one they did boa constrictor around the outside of the shape. So positive, negative images, all that kind of stuff. I have quite a few You know what I think would be. They're descriptors and then they build the, the wordle and then that's put up in the room. She puts it up in the room and then that leads them into the discussion because you get so many varieties of responses from the students and then they see the one big word and go, whoa, that's important in this chapter or this about this main character, so we need to discuss that a little bit. How did we derive that out of this information? It really makes it powerful for the kids. I have a teacher who used the word, she's really, she's my 
teach her that if I have new equipment, I hand it to her and she will take it and fly with it. But she has either really high-level GT kids and some lower ones. And she did a test that used Wordle. And it was a really neat thing. The lower-level kids loved it. They did beautifully with it. Um, an alternative to both of those, to uh, Tagzito and to Wordle, and there's a bunch of word cloud generators, but this is another one, Tagool, uh, where you can get a shape like this, like here's the heart that you can see. And so it's another one to explore that if, you, if you're frustrated with Tagzito and you're like, I can't get the picture to work, well, let's go over to Tagool and try that one. Um, ABCA is another one. Oops. AB, I think it's ABC, yeah. I'd have to Google it because I'm not sure exactly. I'll have to look that one up. Has has another one. But, all right, so that's word cloud generators. What else? He's got another one. You have another one you want to share? I knew you thought of one while you were sitting um, This one's called Soapbox. It's fairly close fairly new. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so the website is actually gosoapbox.com. And uh, this is actually a tool, fairly new, and it lets you... I'm going to actually be using this tomorrow in my session. But um, let me see if I can get in and show you what it does real quick. Is it free? It is. Yay. I, I don't show things that are not free. So I'm going to go over here, um, create a new soapbox. Let's just do one for a sample. So we'll do Visti Fake. Because I have my mind set up, I don't want to go to the wrong one. Um, so over here, this allows you to create a new soapbox. I can go and edit my profile, change my password, yada yada. Let's click on the soapbox I just created. That's the one for tomorrow. Let's go on the fake one. And I can do the following over here. I can start adding audience questions. So, um, what is your favorite web tool? I don't know why my caps are being weird. Uh, anyway, so why, why are my caps being weird? That's right. So I can add that now, and then it's going to be added to this web address that I can share out. Um, but I could do some other things also. So I go to manage my soapbox, and I can go and I can add a poll. So I can ask, you know, the audience, um, Mac or PC? Mac, of course. PC or what's a computer? And you can come down and make that a poll. Obviously, you can have a, a bunch of choices. Uh, I could also do something else, which is pretty neat, I think. It's called the barometer. So when people are viewing this, let's say you're giving a lecture, uh, you know, hopefully not a long lecture, but a two- or three-minute thing to introduce a topic, kids can click on the fact that they're confused or they get it. And you can see a barometer that also works over time to kind of, like, scope out how you're doing. And you could also enable um, the question tool. So if I go to manage and allow, there's a place to allow questions here. I can add an announcement. So it's like if I want kids to go here first thing before the lesson, I can give them a direction or I can tell them exactly what this soapbox is about. I can give someone else the ability to manage. Uh, and I also can go, there's a place I think here, uh, hide question. Oh, I guess it's already enabled um, where I can have people go and, and ask questions. So if I go to display event code to an audience, they can go to soapbox.com, enter that code, and they'll get there, or you can give them the dedicated URL. And I'm going to go back to the soapbox page, 
and I'm going to go and let's see what it looks like. Um, it looks something like this. But this is the logged in point of view. So let's see if I can get it from the not logged in point of view to see what your kids would see. And I know I've blown my two minutes already, but if you want to see, I don't know. Uh, let's see. I'm going to display the code. I'm just going to do it the silly way by copying that code and then going to Soapbox and putting in the code. I want to edit my profile. Let's sign, I guess, sign out. All right, so here's the barometer. I'm getting it or I'm confused. You can go and click on the poll, take your poll, you know, answer correctly. Um, and it'll give you the breakdown over here, which I think is pretty cool, as to how many people voted, what percentage it is. And for free, this is pretty good. The nice thing about this is it has a really nice, slick um, mobile interface as well. So it's not an app you have to get. You can actually do this from any mobile. Um, as you can see, kind of, you can just imagine what it would look like on your phone. Um, pretty similar. And I can go and ask or answer any of the questions here and type in a reply. So I really like this tool. I mean, I think it has, I, I use it a lot in conferences. Um, but I think in classrooms, it really makes a lot of sense. It could do more than just the, you know, poll system or more than poll everywhere. So that's Soapbox. Wait, so you just mentioned poll everywhere. What's that? You guys, you guys know poll everywhere? Okay. Yeah? yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> but this is almost like a, it's a, it's a souped up version of that. It's much more options. robust. It does, yeah, exactly. It does more stuff. So I really, I like that one a lot. Um, oh, that's your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Is it EFL? EFL. I that's say it. elf. That's what it is. Gotcha. I'm thinking the little elf. English foreign language. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Hello. So what you not load now? But it has grammar, vocabulary, reading, listening, and then you can. Of course, you've got English. You can, and it gives little exercises they can work through. Um, I, I just think it's a really nice site. Of course, it's not going to come up. It's very slow. Well, and I bet it's not just for English as a foreign language. No, you, you could. For any, yes, you could. Uh, yeah. So much that the speech therapists do, for instance, in the school would cross over with what the English as a foreign language teachers are doing, right? So yes. It would be a good tool for them. Well, and my reading specialist also uses reading. it, so, yeah. Well, there's another one of mine that is just sitting there. <laughs> Weird. Go figure. Well, and this time my wiki came right up, and the first time it just sat there. But anyway, yep. maybe it'll come up. Who knows? But it is a nice site. We were flipping through the calendar. Did you have questions about it? exactly what we did. So okay. let me talk about that for a second. The card that you had is, since we're talking about educational resources, is nightlightstories.net. And what that is, is this, just like you said, it's a husband and wife team, my wife and I, uh, write children's stories, and we put them up on the web as a podcast. So obviously I'm big into podcasts, right? I like it. I have the AT Tips cast, I'm recording a podcast right now, my wife and I write children's stories, we put them up uh, on the web. She turns on her teacher voice, you know, and she records the stories, and they're for all levels of students, because 
um, being, it being a podcast and they're, they're original children's stories, you just have to listen to them. You know what I mean? So you, you take away the reading level of, of, of stories. Um, so we have 41 different stories up there right now, which is lots of content. We originally started writing them um, to help parents. You know, like we'd be in the car and we'd be listening to music or whatever, or uh, like you could listen to a story as well, get kids involved in, in literature that way. It was just a, something fun for us to do. Uh, but then a lot of teachers started uh, writing us about it and saying, hey, can we use your podcast in our classroom? Um, we have uh, some classrooms that have drawn pictures of the characters, you know, all the same stuff you would do for a literature review, but you're doing it for the audio thing up here. So, uh, so check it out, lightstories.net. Yeah. We've got another one that makes like little post-its up on the screen. You can move them around, but the kids could, they type in their own little like, sticky note, and then the sticky notes can move around on the screen. And, and again, I don't have the English teacher that walks in social studies use the site kids go to the lab or they do it as a homework assignment. The kids go to that URL page, they type in their sticky note, and then the next day the teacher pulls it up and they can move these and group them. And it's, it's fascinating. Is that Wallwisher? Yes. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. I like Wallwisher. Wallwisher, Wallwisher Corkboard, and is there Poplet? Is that a new one that have you heard of that? Pop Poplet? I haven't played with it. I haven't used it. I've just seen it, and like, that people are starting to use it. But all, all ideas around the same concept. Cool. Uh, we've got about ten minutes left. Any more resources you want to share? Anything you think of? Crocodile. Crocodile. What's that? You, wanna... um, you have a magic touch up here. Every time you come up, it's <laughs> similar to Google Docs, where you want everybody to collaborate on one page. But um, Crocodile is more for like an English course because it's more like you can use it for peer review of something or you can comment on like a Shakespeare play or something like that. So it's crocodoc.com. And if you upload a PDF or you know any kind of document, basically your whole class can go in there either one at a time or collaboratively and make edit points or comment on different things. So if it's a story text, they can say, oh, this was strong persuasive element of the story or this was a really you know weak analogy and you know the kids can actually go in there and comment on the story um, so and it's connecting down there at the bottom yeah it's being slow so that sounds like a fascinating idea because you upload documents to it right and it's not I think it's different from Google Docs because you can't go in and edit the document you're referring to but everybody gets a different color and you can even respond to somebody else's comments on the little chat bar on the side, and it'll annotate right next to whatever it is that they're talking about in the passage with a different color, each for their own student. Does it have a maximum comments? I think it does. Um, like, I think the room size is probably about 30 kids, um, but still, I mean, it's a class size. Yeah, Everybody gets their own color. Um, and if it would load, we could try one out. But it comes up with like a little crocodile logo and all that kind of stuff. And it's free. Just upload a PDF, share the web address. All the kids log into the same room. Um, just like Twiddler, you can edit the name as you're coming in, make it yourself, and then you know have a class discussion about whatever the text is. And this one was shared with me by a high school English teacher who said, you know, they use it when they're studying plays or you know if their kids are writing their own stuff. Sometimes they even put 
a student work out there so the peer review team can edit it and give feedback. Thanks to all the participants of the SmackDown. Truth be told, only two or three people actually showed up at the beginning of the session. In order to get more people to come, I ran out into the hallway to see who I could recruit. I found a handful of people sitting outside a session about iPad implementation that was closed because the room was at capacity. I gave them my elevator pitch, did a little dance, promised my third board son, and told them how much fun they'd have. And probably because they felt sorry for me, they decided to participate. By the end, however, everyone was saying how much they enjoyed it, and as you just heard, people had a lot to share once it got rolling. So, thanks for trying something new, everyone, and never be afraid to share what you're doing. There's always someone out there who can benefit. I know this was a little bit of a longer episode, but still, I have some quick announcements to tell you about before I sign off. First, let me thank Adam Bello for doing the bumper at the beginning of this episode, and for participating in the SmackDown. During his closing session, he even gave a shout-out to the SmackDown sessions at the conference, hinting at the idea that sessions where you share the knowledge in the room, as opposed to coming and listening to someone lecture, might be a more meaningful, memorable experience. You can learn more about Adam over at his website, edutecker.net, and follow him on Twitter, at Adam Bello. I also want to thank all the volunteers and staff working at the Visti conference. They helped me out by running all over the place, helping me deliver boxes of calendars, setting up a table to display the book, and setting up the presentations. No matter who I asked or how often, the Visti personnel offered a helping hand with a smile on their faces. Thank you all for a terrific experience. If you want to learn more about Visti, get involved or just chat it up with people interested in educational technology, you should check out visti.org. The Visti Ning at vistionline.ning.com or like Visti on Facebook. Thanks, Visti. I'm certainly looking forward to coming back in the future. Oh, and one other thing Visti themselves set up a collaborative Google Doc containing all of the presentations. Attendees were encouraged to take notes on this Google Doc so anyone could learn and partake in the information. This sort of open learning is really refreshing, and I hope other professional conferences follow Visti's lead on opening up the content. You can check out the Google Doc by going to bit.ly slash visti11googledoc. Of course, if you can't remember that, no worries. I'll have it listed over at the blog, attipscast.com. attipscast.com? Doesn't that sound a little different? Yeah, that's right. I finally pulled the trigger. After four seasons, I finally went ahead and purchased the domain name attipscast.com. Of course, attipscast.wordpress.com will still work, but my hope is that attipscast.com is even easier to remember. And finally, I'd like to thank all the people who voted for the AT Tipscast for the 2011 EduBlog Awards. The AT Tipscast was nominated in the category of Best Use of Audio Video Podcast. This year, the AT Tipscast placed fifth in the category, which means it was titled a finalist. I know it sounds cliche, but really it was a tremendous honor just to be nominated. This year, they combined the audio and video categories into one, making it that much more difficult to get into the top five. Honestly, I didn't have high hopes, and I was blown away during the award ceremony when I saw the AT Tips cast was a top five finalist. When the voting results were revealed, the AT Tips cast only missed the fourth spot by five votes, which tells me something important. It tells me that every vote counted. So here's a big thanks to all of you who voted. 
It really means a lot, and I really want you to know that I appreciate all the support and encouragement. Also, I'd like to congratulate all the winners and finalists in the respective categories. Again, edublogawards.com continues to be a great place for discovering a wide array of resources in the world of education. It's definitely a website worth checking out. Until next time, may all your interventions be inclusive, may all your strategies be supportive, and may you have a happy and safe holiday season.